Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joined by my co-hosts, Mickey Turner, Susie Rantz, Tim Foss, Beth Mantle, and Dave Clark. This has been an extremely weird podcast. How are they going to be able to handle that? Just the bottom line is they don't have an answer to that. There was never really a time when I was super concerned. Seattle did fine. There's a reason they got signed to first team contract. Very special guest, Brian Spencer, head coach of the Seattle Sounder. You know who he is. Brian how are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Hello, and welcome to a, another episode of the Sound Art Heart Podcast. I am your host, Mark Kastner. I am joined by uh, Sounders Media Game Legends, Jeremiah O'Shan. Tim Foss and Susie Rance. Uh, and I'm just some guy. So, uh, Tim, how was the media game? The media game was fun. I had wanted to play for a while and was really excited to be able to play this time. And it was really, really tiring because that field is just enormous. Uh, but it was, it was a lot of fun. It's a lot bigger. Uh, I've only played in the media game once, and that was a uh, several years ago, not several, but that was the first one, and it's it's large. Uh, Susie, that was your first media game, right? It was, yes. How, did you have fun? I did have fun, yeah. And you and Tim were on the same team, and Jeremiah was on the other team. He was on the winning team, Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, you won. So, do you want to gloat a little bit? You know, I would be inclined to gloat, but I have to say I also played the least of any of us because I suffered. I I started both halves. I hurt myself uh, bad enough that when that when we were walking, it wasn't like a horrible injury, but I definitely I pulled my calf muscle pretty significantly and then it got into my heel and we went out for drinks afterward and I was. I had a full blown limp by the time we came back and it ended up like, it's fine. I'm not, I don't think I'll be playing soccer anytime soon, but I can walk and I can bike and I can do my normal activities. But uh, I felt kind of embarrassed because I only played about, I don't know, 20 minutes in the game. And I felt like I did okay when I played and I was bummed out because I felt uh, cardiovascularly, much better this game than I had ever <laughs> felt before, but my, I was just a mess. Uh, I couldn't, I literally could, I could barely walk on the sideline after uh, during the game. So it was a real bummer. I, I would, I had hoped to, to play more, but anyway, that's how it's going. You know what they say? There's always next year. There, well, you know, they, they, we do always say that, of course, it's been three years since we last played, yeah. but <laughs> that's, that's why I was making a joke about everything else but Absolutely. uh but yeah this uh the show is uh, obviously not only going to be about the media game uh the sounders uh beat houston uh and got their coach fired uh, uh last weekend uh we are recording on thursday um they won on sunday evening i believe if i remember correctly and it's amazing what a win does for vibes around the team and around our Sounder at Heart Slack channels and on the internet. Uh, how do you feel kind of about 
I'm not, we're going to talk about playoff chances, obviously, because that's the thing that matters, but just overall, how do you feel about the team right now, Susie? Yeah, I feel like they really needed a game like that. I feel like not just the team, but the fans, like everybody needed a game like that um, where there was a lot of joy. Um, obviously, we all know what happened with New Who scoring. Um, and so regardless of like maybe if they make the playoffs or not, I think right now the vibes are good and hopeful in a sense that they're going to make a run for it. Again, people maybe don't are still like pretty like cautious in their expectations, but it gave us some hope that we didn't have a week ago. Uh, Tim, you were at the game and um, I want to know like how you felt and how kind of like the entire atmosphere felt at halftime when they went in uh, down one. Even before halftime, like I remarked, at the start of the game that the vibes in the stadium just felt weird. Like it seemed pretty quiet. It didn't seem particularly full. It just felt something felt off. And then Houston got their goal, which, you know, wasn't necessarily fluky, but I think probably was like a one in 50 chance that that particular corner turns into a goal. Um, and it definitely felt deflated at halftime. Um, I, I think there's, you know, there's a scenario where new who finally scoring a goal is sort of like a worst case scenario and causes things to further crumble, but he also was the absolute perfect person to score a goal in that moment. It, so clearly energized the entire stadium. Uh, Schmetzer and Alex Roldan both talked about how it energized the team after the game. Um, it was, you know, it was a nicely taken goal too. Not, not anything to complain about. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of like the way we we the way we envisioned New Who scoring a goal. We just thought it was going to be like something insane, like from his own half of the field bicycle kick type thing but it was just like a really professionally taken like he took his touch he allowed the defender to move he used his right foot and just kind of slotted it home like it was no big deal (laughs) Um, and then obviously he had the game-winning assist too uh, which I think and Jeremiah you may disagree with me I think is kind of like the more impressive of the two kind of new who goal involvements because of kind of the composure he showed after scoring a goal to just kind of send in like a Dave Beckham like cross to win the game. (laughs) You know, Tim and I were talking a lot during the game and we were sort of joking after he scored that the Sounders were probably going to either win three, one or lose four, one because it was, uh, we, kind of had this idea that like all of a sudden knew who would just be searching for another goal uh, and that maybe that would either unbalance the team or, or, or like turn into this miracle thing. And the reality of it was that he just sort of like became a more calm and collected player. Weirdly, like the assist I thought was very well taken. It was much more of a repeatable thing. You know, he, you know, maybe, maybe it's a situation where, 
he needed to get this monkey off his back where he had been talking about scoring a goal for so long and people had been so, ur- you know, had been urging this, this willing, this thing to happen that maybe what needed to happen was for him to just do it and it to be done with. And now we can focus on like the actual important parts of his game, which don't include goal scoring and, but do definitely include setting up assists and defending, which he did really well in this game, especially after his goal. And, and, you know, even in his post game comments, you know, he's not, he, he still is, is mastering English. So I don't want to read too much in, into anything he said, but he, he, I thought it was notable that he, he, he really didn't make it about himself and that he made it about, uh, the contributions to the team. He made a conscious effort not to have this big celebration since it was an equalizer and not a go ahead goal or some other kind of thing like that. And I, and I think that maybe says something about uh, his maturity and, and maybe it really, you know, maybe this does unlock a better version of new who, I mean, that's like expecting a lot, but on this day, it was clearly the shot in the arm. The Sounders needed. It would be very poetic if this, kickstarts a run to the playoffs or maybe you know even deep into the playoffs uh but it was fun it was fun to be at lumen field for the first time since probably the champions league final frankly i yeah i, th- I just i was really impressed by new who's post game comments and i think Susie, i think you remarked about that on twitter after the game um i think that was you that it was just like it was really cool that he could have in the one moment that, you know, this player could make something about himself. He, he just kind of like, was like, it was an important three points. I'm glad I could help the team contribute. Um, it wasn't me, but it sounds smart. So I'll take oh. it. <laughs> Maybe I was talking to you about it. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I think, I think overall, like something like that really does help the vibes of the team right now. And um Jeremiah, I know you were crunching a bunch of numbers this week, like percentages and and outcomes and, and stuff that's way over my head. But uh, at one point, I think the Sounders went down to like a six and a half percent chance to make the playoffs this weekend. Uh, and it was like teetering around like 11 to 12 percent. And now after that win, it's it's at what, what 19 percent chance. Jeremiah. Yeah, I don't want to make it sound like I'm the one actually crunching these numbers. Oh, I'm just like find, I, finding you're just other putting people's... them in front of me. That's all. <laughs> right, exactly. I'm just finding other people's. I'm just I'm just good at like looking for it. But yeah, I, I think you're right. It's something like 19% is what I think the last thing I saw, and you know that's still a long shot. But I think, and maybe this is a good transition. I've become more much more focused on what the Sounders need to what they can control, and. Because I kind of feel like if they if they go if they go five and zero, oh, they're going to make the playoffs. I have no doubt about that. That's a big ask, but if they do it, I I feel very confident in saying that they're going to make the playoffs. And if they go five and zero, oh, frankly, I I think you should like their chances of making a real run. Yeah. Uh, but even if they go four zero and one, they're almost assured of making the playoffs because the way the play the way the other schedules line up is just there's a lot of like games against one one another there's a lot of games against good opponents uh the teams the centers are competing against do not have an easy road this the centers don't have an easy road either so i don't want to make it sound like a like a 5-0 and you know, like any of this is is settled 
But like I said, if the Sounders take care of their business, there's a lot of reasons to think that the other team, things will work themselves out elsewhere. Yeah, so let's kind of dig into that a little bit. The Sounders obviously, as Jeremiah has alluded to, have five remaining games left of the season. Uh, Their game this weekend, which is on Saturday evening, is a home game against Austin FC, who are an interesting team. Uh, They, I think, are technically still in the Supporter Shield race. Uh, although I think that's kind of turned into a two horse LAFC Philadelphia situation, uh, but they're really good. Um, then the Sounders pl- go to Vancouver and uh, play Vancouver. And then following the international break, which is this, their third game is actually a, um, is the game that was supposed to be played. I think right before the CCL final, but, MLS allowed this match to be moved to um, a Tuesday night is against Cincinnati. The only, the interesting thing about that game is the Sounders may or may not have international players who have gone away on the international break, um, but we'll kind of get into that a little bit, but following that game, uh, the second to last game of the season on October 2nd is sporting is at sporting Kansas city. And then, uh, they end the season at home on decision day sponsored by Geico or whatever uh, <laughs> is uh, against the San Jose earthquake. Um, Tim, just kind of like overall, how do you feel about that batch of games? I, I think even in the last couple weeks, this run of games has been sort of a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, the, you know, I was listening to Jeremiah Nosadietis earlier today and the remark that you made at one point about uh, it felt at one point like they could just not win a single game for the rest of the season was definitely real. And this stretch of games felt like, well, this is where, you know, at least these are not terribly difficult points to pick up. Like if you could write up a schedule for the end of the season, this is pretty close to ideal. If you want to be able to get out of a slump and pick up some steam as you head towards a potential playoff run. Um, I think even Austin, clearly the best team in that group. And when they're on is, one of the best teams in the league but when they're off they can be pretty bad and they're you know coming off of a couple not particularly good games that's not always been a great thing for the Sounders this season because it's provided other teams with an opportunity to get out of their own slumps against us Uh, but I think you still have to feel pretty good about the chances of if they can carry the performance from this weekend into the game, they've got a good chance to get a win in that one. And if they get a win in that one, you have to like their chances against the rest of the teams they're playing for the running. Yeah. Austin is an undoubtedly good team this year in MLS. I would put them in that tier at the top that, you know, they're going to finish second in the West unless something kind of, insane happens which it's mls there's five games remaining in the season so things are possible but um 
they're also a team that's never beat the Sounders. And I know it's only three games, but um, that I think is, is something, or let me, let me actually phrase that as a question to Susie. Do you think that that matters at this point? Do you think that like maybe Brian Spencer and the coaching staff can talk to this group, the Sounders group of players and be like, look, you guys have played this team a lot over the last two years or, you know, three times over the last two years, you know how to beat this team and this coach. So go ahead and do it. Yeah. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. Um, what, what the message maybe is in the, in the locker room um, around this game in particular, I think that obviously confidence around beating a team is great, but I, like you mentioned, MLS, like is such a crazy league and anything can happen at any time. So I don't think you go in, you go in confident, but um, maybe not with that. Like what I remember one time the team said we're confident, not cocky or something like that. Yeah. Someone on the team said that it was, it was a good comment. I can't remember who said it. Um, I think they go in with like confidence knowing that Austin's a team that can give up goals. And that, I think that has to be something that the Sounders are looking forward to because they haven't been particularly strong offensively put the goals aside that they give up that have been kind of fluky, like offensively, they need to be better. And so going up against a team that does allow some goals, I think it's got to give them some confidence. Yeah. And Nashville's previous matches uh, dating back just through August, since I have that pulled up here is in their last match against Nashville, they allowed three goals in uh, the match before that against Portland was two goals. They obviously beat LAFC 4-1, which was kind of a um, national TV game and was a big deal. They gave up two goals to Minnesota. They've given and then they gave up three goals to each of Kansas City and San Jose. Um, and you have to think that the Sounders think they're better than at least two of those teams, right, Jeremiah? You'd hope so, right? Um, <laughs> and hopefully more than that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, yeah, you. You know, the Austin's given up 18 goals in the last eight, actually, if you, you go far oh, okay. enough back. And then that's, uh, you know, that, that's um, that's like fourth worst in the league uh, over that stretch of games. Uh, it's it's a bad it's a bad run. I mean, they've been they they have they went from being a pretty solid defensive team to one that is very questionable uh, very quickly. Uh, and, you know, early on in this, I don't know if it's still this way, but early on they were they were exceeding their expected goal difference by a ton. And offensively, you can sort of like chalk that up to Sebastian Drusi by himself uh, mm-hmm. was a huge part of that offensive overperformance. And he's continued to be very good. Uh, but defensively, I was always pretty skeptical of the explanation that like, well, Brad Stuber is that good. Like, come on. Like I've seen, yeah. like we've seen Brad Stuber enough that yes, he's a, he's a good goalkeeper, but he's also someone who's inclined to give up some some howlers, uh, not the least of which was against the, the Sounders last year when Raul Ruiz Diaz scored from nearly midfield, and he's he's actually given up a few goals like that. Uh, so like <laughs> I'm a, I'm a little skeptical that Brad Stuver was the 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 piece that was so key to allowing them to consistently overperform their expected uh, goals allowed, and and sure enough, they've they've come back to earth defensively, and and yeah, I mean the the Sounders aren't necessarily great defensively either right now uh and maybe that's a that's a exploitable uh problem that they're gonna have to deal with against austin i think that's probably the bigger concern 
but yes, there are goals there for the Sanders to score. And, you know, I think it'll be, it'll be just, if the Sanders can't score at least two in this game, I think they got to be a little frustrated uh, because that's to me what at least they need to be shooting for. I think I said on a show a couple of weeks ago that it's really important that if the Sounders want to win a game, they score two goals. Uh, that didn't work against Orlando, but it's pretty much worked <laughs> the, uh, the rest of the season. Um, I don't want to like, I kind of wanted to talk about these games as a block and we've, we've kind of moved into just kind of talking about each of them individually, which is, which is good. Um, do we think, and I, and anybody can take this one. Do we think that this is the hardest game remaining on the schedule just based on opponent quality? Or do you think depending on what happens around the rest of the league, there's going to be a more difficult game than this? I mean, I'll, I'll say that I think this is, it's not, it's not going on on a limb to say it's the best team, the Sunders face. Uh, but I, the one that really worries me is maybe the Sporting Kansas City away match, only because Sporting Kansas City seems like they've sort of gotten it. Like I don't, they're not going to make the playoffs. I don't think that's really a realistic target for them, but they do seem to be playing better enough that that's a little bit more of a concerning. They've matchup. taken some. They've taken some scalps recently. They've beat. They have some, some teams. <laughs> yeah, and like they should. They probably should have beaten. LA over the weekend and you know they, they've they've sort of put together a decent little run and so I would say that's the game that like this game to me is a little bit of a I don't want to say a bonus game but if they get full points out of this one that really sets them up whereas the game I'm worried about though as being sort of the bellwether game of this it might be the Kansas City game because that's the one where I could see them tripping up. And if they drop points in this one, that game suddenly becomes extremely important. Yeah. Uh, Tim, Tim, do you think it's the hardest game left? I think this should be the hardest game left. The thing that worries me is that each of these games has incredible MLS potential. Um, All of them could be just profoundly weird games. Like, since he is, you know, maybe they're not a good team, but they're also not necessarily a bad team, and they're pretty capable of surprising seemingly just about anybody. Playing that game during an international break, definitely opportunities for that to get weird. Obviously, on the road against Kansas City is not not a game most teams want to have to play, and San Jose is San Jose. Like, they're not doing the man-marking system anymore, but it's still just a a long legacy of weird games so this should be the most difficult but it won't necessarily be the weirdest is what I would say yeah I I agree like even I feel like sometimes you never know what a earthquakes game is going to be like when the Sounders go up against them it could be seven nothing or it could be uh one nothing or a fair um but I do think that Austin is if the Sounders stick with the same players that they played with against Houston um, will be like a real test for this lineup and a good indication maybe of if Leiva and Atencio can help solve some of the problems 
throughout the rest of the season. Like if we get some of those answers in against Austin, where they do like to come down the middle a lot, um, they're going to put a lot of pressure on both of them. I feel pretty confident that that might be their best, biggest test. Do we think that the Sounders are going to pass the test or, or what is passing the test look like for you guys? Is it a point or do you think they need to win this game to set them like Jeremiah was saying, they need to win this game to set themselves up really well for the remaining games. I think a well-played point would okay. be a win. Yeah. Uh, a point where they're struggling to get a point would not be a win to me. Yeah, I think it has almost more to do with the way they play than the outcome. Like if they, even if they, you know, if they were to lose 2-1 and let's just say they lost on a late penalty or they lost on a fluky penalty, maybe not a late penalty because that would be so deflating. But like <laughs> there's a scenario, I, I guess my point is that there's a scenario in which I could see them playing well enough and losing where I would still feel like there's a potential run in them and a loss does not, you know, uh, eliminate them from the from the playoff contention. But like if they were to like grind out a point where they looked completely overmatched, I don't know that I would have that same confidence. Uh, obviously, a, a win here is is ideal, but I, I I feel like how they play is just going to be maybe more important than than how many points they collect. Yeah, I think even if it's kind of a dodgy nil nil. Like, I feel pretty good about them having kept a shutout even, but I I mean, I guess it depends on what the target is. Like, I'm pretty at peace with the idea of not making the playoffs, but if the goal is to make the playoffs, they're still kind of in, you got to get your wins at home territory. And I think that's not an unreasonable stance for the team to take. I think as fans maybe set more reasonable expectations and yeah, I think a a draw where they look good and are good value for it. Not a bad result. I'll I'll revise my statement one small way. If they lose, if they win and look horrible doing it, it doesn't matter. Like that. Yeah. The the three points are are in that case more important. I was more like different between a tie and a loss. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I will be the one to kind of stick my neck out there and say they have to win this game if they want to make the playoffs because I just don't think you can keep doing this like you you win a game and then you lose or drop points in kind of annoying fashion and let's face it dropping points any points in any way is going to be annoying at this point in the season because of the mountain that they have to climb and so and then also, and and maybe this is just ridiculous. I don't know. I don't just want the founders to make the playoffs and then lose in the first round. I want them to be able to go on a run if they're going to make the playoffs. And they're going to, if they make the playoffs, they're probably going to play Austin anyways. And I just want, I just want the vibes to be good. Basically, <laughs> I want them to beat Austin and then beat them again a month later. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know. I'll add another one there. If they win this one, I feel like if they go four and four one and zero, and the loss is at Sporting Kansas City, that's a much easier sort of pill, I think, to swallow in terms of the way you feel about this team. Whereas if they were to yeah drop points in this one and drop points in another one, 
even if they were to, you know, like, like, yeah. I, I and I and I suppose there, there's a really good argument to be made that a win, they really need a win here to keep the vibes like positive yeah. and to keep some momentum and and like really, you know, convince fans that this is worth watching for the last five plus month of the season. Yeah, and another reason why this is going to be a pro radio segue is another reason why I think a win is really important this weekend is um, four of the, I I guess, four of the five teams uh, that um, the Sounders are chasing play each other this weekend. And I just realized that the spreadsheet that I provided you guys uh, doesn't have Portland games on them. So I apologize for that. (laughs) I just, I just, for some reason I put Dallas on there, not Portland. Um, But uh, a really important reason why I think the Sounders need to be Austin this weekend is because uh, the galaxy, Nashville, Minnesota, Portland can all drop points to each other this weekend. And I think that if, if the sound, like if those two games, so the, the galaxy play Nashville, Minnesota plays Portland, RSL's playing DC and that might as well be a three bowl victory. And I have Dallas on here cause it's technically possible for the Sounders to finish third, but they play LAFC and maybe, maybe next week we'll be talking about catching Dallas because of what the other teams do. So, um, I kind of wanted to do like a little bit of an overview of our opponents' schedules, and and it start. I kind of started that this weekend, um, with with Nashville playing the Galaxy, Minnesota playing Portland. Uh, Jeremiah, kind of talk me through some of the logic you were you were thinking uh, earlier this week about how how things can look come Monday morning. Yeah, I mean it yeah I mean if if I, I guess what we're we're rooting for here is is Nashville LA to sort of share you know to to and have that one end in a tie and I and I don't know Minnesota Portland I feel like in in some ways is almost an eliminate maybe not an elimination game but Portland could find themselves in a lot of trouble if they lose this game at home to Minnesota and uh, you know, that's, that's, that's probably the one that, you know, it, and similarly, Minnesota has a really tough run in uh, they, they're going to host LAFC then they're going to, they have two road games at Kansas city and San Jose. Well, I guess maybe those aren't the toughest road games, but in it, I would much rather play San Jose at home. I'll say that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, 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 this could look much rosier if the Sounders win and Portland loses, let's just go with that since they're currently in seventh. Uh, and, and let's just say that Nashville beats LA all of a sudden Sounders are three points out of a playoff spot with a game in hand. Uh, not, a you know, that's, that's all of a sudden it feels very doable. Yeah. I mean, especially if things go their way, but, uh, I think it's a pretty safe assumption that things don't go the Sounders way because that's just how the season's been going. But if, the Sounders control their controllables this weekend, Susie. Do you kind of feel like this is where the break can happen? Like, yeah, obviously, ideally, you know, most of these games ending in a draw and the Sounders picking up maximum points is 
maybe the ideal situation, but even if some of these teams beat each other, the table looks a lot differently and, and maybe things look better for the Sounders. I would say maybe if I'm looking back at the end of the season that I could say that, but I don't have, I don't have, um, yeah, I don't think after this weekend, I'm going to feel much differently than I did before. Honestly, I think there's still just too much left. Um, even if we're like three points out, I still think that's still too much to, to bet on. I wasn't expecting that. I thought, I thought you would come with me on my, on my imagination journey. That's fine. That's fine. (laughs) You're here to talk me down to earth. (laughs) Tim, do you, I do think to your point, I'll just add to your point earlier, Mark. I think if the centers lose this game, it could also look like, even if the, even if the theoretical math of where the Sounders need to get is uh, not that dramatically different, if they lose, they, I mean, they could find themselves nine points out of playoff spot right now, which would be feel insurmountable, even if yeah. it's not technically. I think I totally agree. And I, and I think that that's another, another feather in my cap that the Sounders have to win this weekend. <laughs> um, so Jeremiah, you kind of alluded to it. This uh, maybe the two the two teams that they're fighting the most with kind of seem like it's it's Minnesota and Portland. Uh, just given kind of the context around those two teams, it's kind of crazy to say that because a month ago it looked like Minnesota was just kind of like cruise, but uh, their entire team got hurt more or less. Um, Tim, do you see it that way? Do you see it being kind of like if if you're if if you're kind of giving advice to Sounders fans to watch the standings, are, are those the two teams you're going to say, or do you think maybe RSL and the Galaxy are worse than I think they are? <laughs> no, I think those are the two teams to watch because I definitely think of the rest of them, they have the you know the biggest potential to drop. Um, I. Yeah, I I don't know. It's tough. Like you have to do some standings watching, but it whether it's literally all in the Sounders' hands, I don't think. Like if they don't do it for themselves, they're not gonna. Like I don't think they're gonna make noise if they get to the playoffs. If they get there, having done okay and gotten a bunch of help along the way, I think. I think the the focus really needs to be on the team themselves because I know like if they if they don't win against Austin, maybe they get to the playoffs. But I'm not going to feel super good about what they do when they get there if they can't beat Austin at home. Right. I agree. I think that. Um, I think to Jeremiah's point, I didn't. I don't know if I agreed with Jeremiah before we started recording, but I think I definitely do now that uh, the Sounders basically make the playoffs if they don't lose again. And it's really important to not lose the game. Um, Jeremiah, do you want to kind of add anything to that? I don't know what I'm saying right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do. 
you know, at the, at the risk of, of going over ground that I may have already gone over, but yeah, it's, I, I, if they, if they, they don't need to win out, but they can't lose. I think that's sort of, you know, they, they don't have a lot of game. They don't have a lot of room for, for errors. You know, I think Jordan Morris said it the other day. Uh, we have to treat each game like a final and, you know, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to win in every game, but you can't lose. And that's, I think probably the right ethos going into this, uh, you know, I'll add, I, I think you're right that it's Minnesota and Portland are probably the two, like Minnesota, Portland, and LA, I guess by default, because L, like two of those teams could, would have, the Suns are going to have to jump uh, all, well, they have to jump all three of those teams, I guess, to get in. Yeah. Galaxy have another game in hand though. Right. And uh, they're playing Minnesota, pretty well. Minnesota, yeah, I mean it's crazy. Minnesota was cruising uh, a yeah. couple of weeks ago, and now they've lost back to back three zero results. Uh, one of them at home, so you know that's they've taken know, some I, bad beats. Yeah, they have, and Reynosa might be injured. So right, yeah, they got you know. So Minnesota, I think this is a big one for that Minnesota Portland game. Like I said, I, it's potentially sort of an elimination game, at least from who the Sounders uh, can catch. Uh, the okay. loser of that game feels much more catchable for the Sounders. The winner of that game uh, edging towards out of reach. And it does kind of seem like there's going to be a winner or a loser in Portland games because um, lately it doesn't seem like they draw very much <laughs> uh, as we're uh, familiar with from a firsthand um, point of view. Um, does anybody want to add anything else? Well, I was just going to say what you yeah. just mentioned, which was that the Galaxy do make me nervous since they do have a game in hand and they have been playing pretty well. And I think that game against Nashville, did they play Nashville this weekend? Is that what you yeah, said? They yeah, they play in Nashville. Yeah, That's going to be like, if they win there, I will be worried about having to also jump the Galaxy. Yeah, so if they win there, the Galaxy will be on 42 points. Nashville will be on 45. Uh, Minnesota and... Portland are on 40, 44 and 42 points, respectively. So if the Timbers win that match, they'll be on 45 points. Minnesota will be on 44. However, Minnesota wins, obviously, they'll be on 47. Um, I think it's interesting to add Dallas to this conversation for a little bit because they play LAFC this weekend, and uh, they just uh, – last weekend, they just smoked Minnesota in Minnesota. But – if LAFC beats them, then they're right in that conversation on 46 points. Um, so that's obviously something to keep an eye on. Um, do we all think the Sounders are going to win this week? Oh, hang on. Before I go there, uh, Susie, you alluded to kind of a personnel conversation a little bit. Uh, do you think Danny Leva and uh, Josh Tensio are going to start in the midfield against Austin? I have zero um, like knowledge of, of it, but I feel like you have to try them one more time. Yeah. Tim, that means Albert Rusnak's going to play somewhere else. Uh, how do you feel about that? And uh, is that the key to victory? <laughs> I, I don't know that that necessarily is the direct key to victory, but I do think that it allowed allowed a number of players to play to their best. I think, you know, the combination of Rusnak and Nuhu on that side is 
definitely a better combination than New Who and Jordan Morris. I think Rusnak's style or the way that he wants to play is a little bit more conducive to what New Who tends to do if he gets the ball in, you know, on the left wing. I think if he has someone who he can just give the ball to and then they'll do the passing, that's much easier than him trying to, you know, Jordan Morris really in those spots wants to get the ball out on the run. And that's just not the kind of pass New Who is likely to make. If New Who can lay the ball off and then continue a run, that's going to work a little bit better for him. I think Jordan is still pretty dangerous on the right. Um, It's maybe not everybody's best position, but with the pieces available, I think it gets you the best total from the team. Um, And to Susie's point, I think you've, you've got to give Danny and Josh another look there. Otherwise it was just like, what was the point of starting them in one game? If you're not going to, give it a go a second time because even Danny got subbed at halftime, but was it halftime or just early in the game? I don't remember. Um, but it wasn't he, halftime. He, he came out in like, I want to say the 60th minute or something like that. Okay. He, so he got an early, Oh, it was, he played 56 minutes. Um, yeah. He came out from Montero, right? Yeah. Um, so he got an early hook, but even, coach talked about after the game it really wasn't anything Danny was doing it was a tactical shift to get Montero on there which worked out because he drew a penalty and then scored the winner so uh, hard to really argue with that but I thought Danny and Josh played really well Um, I I think they could be a good like press press resistant midfield pairing Um, and both have the qualities that help if you are going to try to play in transition or possession so gives that midfield a bit of flexibility um so yeah i think that's what i would like to see and i think that's probably what schmetzer will do we've uh jeremiah we've talked a lot in recent weeks about kind of the starting 11 and how that informs matches personnel and whatnot but freddie montero scoring the winner was the first goal from a sounder substitute since like the Reagan administration. Uh, not that long, last, but since last year. Yeah. Since last October. So uh, do you like, do you think there's anything like to Freddie's goal to like break through? Cause he, he himself hasn't scored in a while. And then obviously substitutes have in certain spots and in certain games have helped the sounders to victory, but also, uh, it seems like the bench has sort of failed Smetzer and the rest of the team. Um, do you see anything to that? I mean, I was surprised that uh, I asked Brian about this yesterday, and he and he made it sound like it was news to him that they hadn't had a substitute score this year, which I thought was – I mean, he knew when I had asked him about it, but he only knew – he made it sound like he only knew about it because of my, my tweeting about it. And I was a, I was a little surprised by that. Uh, and maybe it's not something that they look at a ton, but he did, he did like acknowledge that that was a problem and, you know, whether or not the, the, it, it being a, a kind of statistical anecdote or statistically meaningful, hard to say for sure. But 
what I got out of that was Freddie Montero just looked better than he had looked in a long time. Like he, yeah. he's played a fair amount of minutes off the bench and he's struggled to be really uh, effective off the bench. Like he, he'll get some touches, but he's just, it, it seems like he's oftentimes cast in a strange role where he's basically playing as a 10, but he's all, you know, like, it's just like, he, he's sort of between positions and, and I don't know, I, I saw someone refer to what the Sounders were playing at the end of the game as like a, a four, four, two diamond. It, it almost looked to me more like a, a four, three, three with, you know, where you had real wingers as opposed to, uh, uh, to shuttlers. And, and either way, Montero was sort of in the middle of that and he was flanked by, um, by Russ Knack and, it, like I, if he was playing on a line with Russ Knack or, or playing on a line, I don't know. I don't want to get into that, but <laughs> he was just, he looked good. Like he looked really yeah. good. And that header was well taken and he was active. He had something like 13 duels in the game in in 33 minutes, 34 minutes. Uh, just, you know, this is the kind of play that we would, if, if this is the version of Freddie that we get for the next couple of seasons that are the co- next few weeks, it's very important because they need some more, it can't just be Raul and Jordan especially since they, and, and Nico, especially since none of them have been as effective as, as they have been in the past. Yeah, I think usually I when you, oh, go ahead, Tim. You go, no, you go, Susan. Okay, I was going to say, you want us, you often want to sub when you're ahead to like keep control of the game or change the game and do something different than what is happening in the current state. And that's what I just thought Freddie did so brilliant, brilliantly. He won fouls at really opportune moments. He kept the ball. He won his duels. Like all of those things are what led to him scoring. And it's it was just nice to see that kind of a sub performance where he did something that they weren't doing before. And it would be really lovely if they continue to get that kind of result out of. I feel like Danny did that a little bit in some of his sub appearances before he became a starter, uh, where he came in and did something different um, than the team was doing. So be great to continue to get that out of their subs. Um, I I was just going to say one of the things that I think has probably contributed to the lack of goals from subs is that there's not a ton of goal scorers on the bench for the Sounders at the moment. Like Freddie Montero and Will Bruin are the two guys that you would really have expected to be goal scoring substitutes, but with Raul Rui Diaz's absences, they've been asked to carry a bit more of the weight and having to start and the other one comes on or, you know, vice versa. And I think Freddie's performance in this one may be some of the knock-on effect of having Raul back that those two guys are able to play this slightly diminished role where they're coming on as a substitute, but they're being able to give you know 60 minutes of effort and 30 minutes of game time they're saving their bodies a little bit more so they've got more to give when they're out there um freddie did not look like he's been carrying a bunch of weight for this season i mean that figuratively not literally um but like he looked fresh and i have to imagine that raul rui diaz being able to play the whole game for a couple of weeks and being able to give good minutes off the bench or as a starter who plays 60, like that just has so much added benefit beyond just that. I'm sure as a defender, like I wouldn't want to have to 
defend Rui Diaz and then have him stay on the field and another guy with incredible movement comes in and now I have to keep track of both of these guys like that's that's a nightmare is it is it is it really kind of just down to Freddie's the super sub for the rest of the season or do any of you feel like maybe Freddie scoring a goal gives everybody else kind of like that weight off their shoulder both shoulders I mean, you'd like you'd like that to be the case, right? I mean, like Jimmy Madranda, in some ways, I think has been one of the more disappointing uh, performers this year. In part because he just hasn't he hasn't been able to influence games consistently at all. Like uh, he he and, and you know he's he's had a few moments where he's he's been he's looked dangerous, but I think like that's the kind of player you need off the bench. Like you need a guy like he he has that sort of like he can turn a game on its head at any moment. And it seems like it's, it's not he always been the positive influence that we were used to seeing from him last year. Leo Chu is another one who, you know, I think he's, he's looked good in moments, but he's just, he's never like this year. I don't know that there's been a single really good performance he's had off the bench. Uh, and that's sort of where he need, we need a, a player like Leo Chu to be able to influence games off the bench uh you know and will to a certain degree also like he he just has not been like i don't remember a game outside of you know he looked pretty good against sporting kansas city in the game he scored he started and scored but like he's he's struggled to make an impact as well so you know yeah i would love it it would be great if someone other than freddie could have an impact off the bench um hell i mean dylan like it's to me crazy that dylan tevez mm-hmm. hasn't gotten more uh, shots, especially off the bench, especially since the only start he had, he scored in and looked like he belonged. And it was a beautiful assist from Leo Chu. From Leo Chu, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there, there's definitely players who I think fit the bill for potentially contributing off the bench. And it is a little baffling how they've managed to get virtually nothing from these players. And I don't even remember like a lot of assists from guys off the bench. I assume, I assume there's some, but it's been, it's been pretty dire. Uh, off the bench and if the Sounders can get something some bench production over these last five games that would be huge yeah so uh I know everybody kind of waffled earlier when I uh stuck my neck out talking about this Austin game but uh I'm gonna go to each of you and ask uh Jeremiah are they gonna win you know let's just say 2-1 Sounders victory Tim, the Sounders going to beat Austin FC? Yeah, and I'm just going to keep predicting that one of Josh Atencio or Danny Leva is going to score a goal until it happens. Yeah, that's exactly what I want. Susie, do you think they're going to win? I have to believe at this point. I want to believe in the words of Mulder. Um, Yes, they're going to win. I'm not going to tell you what the score is, though. It's okay. You don't have to. Jeremiah went there all by himself. I just wanted to know if you think they're going to win. Um, well, I want to thank my uh, esteemed guests and media game participants, uh, Susie Rance, Tim Foss, and Jeremiah, for joining me on the Sound of Heart podcast. I am obviously Mark Kastner. Uh, buckle up. The Sounders are uh, in the running of their lives to qualify for the MLS Cup playoffs. Uh, obviously, Sounder at Heart will have everything you need. Thank you very much. <laughs>